Welcome to the world of Aeora, a news and lore podcast about the Pillars of Eternity games, as well as Obsidian Entertainment's upcoming release, Avowed. Welcome to the world of Aeora, a news and lore podcast about the Pillars of Eternity games, as well as Obsidian Entertainment's upcoming release, Avowed. Hello everybody and welcome to the world of Aeora. I'm your host, Eric, aka Gingerino. Thank you so much for joining me today with my co-host, Gingerino Jr. You gonna say something, buddy? There we go. I got my uh, little baby boy joining me today as he is not wanting to nap. And his mom's out at work after uh, being on maternity leave. So we're going to have him with me today. He's got a lot to say about the world of Aeora, so uh, strap in. For those new to the show, welcome. This is a show about Pillars of Eternity and Avowed, specifically the lore of the world that it's set in. And yes, Avowed and Pillars of Eternity, those games are set in the same world known as Aeora. So we look at the Pillars of Eternity games to look at the lore, history, and game mechanics so that we can glean some insights as Avowed is undergoing development. And that way we can all move forward when the game releases with a knowledge base that we can all understand each other and have a deeper appreciation for the world and the story that they tell in Avowed. Today we're going to continue the trend of looking at the Deadfire Archipelago, specifically the second game, Pillars of Eternity 2 Deadfire, and we're going to be looking at another one of the major factions that are played within that game. We've already talked about the history of the Deadfire Archipelago, which is the setting for the second Pillars game, and we've also talked at length about one of the major factions of that game, the Huana peoples, which are the native tribes that live in the Deadfire Archipelago. They're the people that were already living there. There are three other major factions to discuss, all people from outside the Deadfire Archipelago. One being the Rawatayan Royal Deadfire Company, which is a company of people that ori- originate from the Empire of Rawatai. And they are looking towards the Deadfire for its fertile soils so that they can develop food and take over the land basically so that they can sustain their home country. There's the Principe Sen Petrena, which is a pirate confederacy, which is looking to find a new place to call their own after their previous culture, Grand Valia, declined and eventually collapsed. And lastly, we have the Valian Trading Company, which is a company of uh, you know mercantile people, the employees, merchants, sailors, tradesmen, and the like, that are seeking to make their home country just wealthy. It's not about survival like with Rawatai. It's about making them the economic superpower of the world. It's about making sure every piece of gold gets on the Valian Republic's doorstep. And today, we're going to be talking about them. We're going to be talking about the Valian Trading Company. Do you have any words to say about the Valian Trading Company, my son? Truer words have never been spoken. Join me today as we dive into the lore for the Valian Trading Company. I'm curious, what exactly did you find there? Gingerino Jr. decided he didn't want to be here for the rest of the episode, so you just got me from now on. Sorry about that. So, the Valian Trading Company, who are they? Well, we discussed a little bit about them on my episode about the history of the Deadfire Archipelago. You can check it out, the previous episode to this one. Uh, The Valian Trading Company is essentially a company that comes out of an area known as the Valian Republics. 
The Valian Republics originate from the Eastern Reach, which is the continent that the first Pillars of Eternity game is set in. The Valian Trading Company is not a nation unto themselves, but they are numerous enough to almost be considered one, and they are lawless. The Valian Trading Company was originally created with the sole purpose of making the Valian Republics rich. That is their entire purpose, is to scour the globe for new and hot commodities and take them for themselves and monopolize all the trade across Aora and make them the economic superpower of the very world itself. By the time of Pillars of Eternity 2, Deadfire, they have 30,000 employees employing things like merchants, sailors, mercenaries, and explorers. About a third of these are used in the Deadfire campaign, which is uh, a campaign towards extracting, harvesting, and utilizing all the luminous Audra in the area, which we'll talk about a little bit later. So there's about 10,000 Valian Trading Company employees in the Deadfire archipelago by the time of the second game, and another 20,000 across the globe elsewhere. Even though it's not its own nation, they do have their own governing structure. I guess you could call it a hierarchy of, you know, business professionals, if you will. The Sangreta Mea Compresa, which means con Congress of the Company, has a body of 11 high-stakes investors and noble advisors. Each has equal voting power to advance or stem any decision or strategy, in which simple majority vote is the deciding factor. So they run on democracy, sort of, between just the 11 of them. In terms of the Deadfire Archipelago itself, the two representatives that are in there are Director Ignato Castol and Governor Lueva Elvari. If you're part of the Valian Trading Company, you very likely worship Woodica, Hylia, or Galloway, one of the three of the 11 deities that exist within this world. As I've said, the Valian Trading Company exists solely to make the Valian Republics rich, and on that front, that's why they're in the Deadfire Archipelago. In order to be able to make money, it's well known that you have to spend money and take risks, and the Valian Trading Company are pretty big on risk-taking, the Deadfire Archipelago being one such risk. This is a lawless frontier of the world that has not been explored, no one knows what is there, and there are hostile denizens to this area that want to kill you and eat you and get you out of the area. And so, for the Valian Trading Company to turn towards Deadfire Archipelago and explore it simply on the possibility that there might be something there for them to be able to utilize in their campaign at global economic domination, it's a, it's a big risk. And even though they're mildly successful through for a lot of the history of the Deadfire, it isn't until they discover Luminous Audra that things really start to take off. Luminous Audra, as I've mentioned on previous episodes, is a unique form of a resource that exists within the game called Audra. Audra is a gemstone that can conduct the energy of souls like copper wire can conduct electricity. So the soul that's in your body can transmit through Audra, this like this gemstone rock, this crystal substance. It can go through that and be stored within it. It's also very useful in the science of studying the soul because the soul is something that is concrete and able to be studied within this world. It's a fact of life. And so Audra is very useful in that, as well as for, you know, just gemstone purposes of making jewelry, storing and enhancing powers. It's a very, very important resource and point of discussion within the world that is Aora. I expect we'll see a lot of Audra in Avowed, but Luminous Audra is magnified in its power. It is so powerful compared to regular Audra that if in the presence of Luminous Audra, a regular shard of Audra will vibrate or even shatter. 
because of the power housed within a luminous Audra shard. And so the Valian Trading Company are using this incredibly rare and localized resource that is that everybody wants in order to bolster themselves. This is the kind of thing that they're out there to find. And there's not a lot stopping them, really. The Valian Trading Company are not subject to the regular laws and rules that you find within the Valian Republics. They are given free permission to do as they see fit to be able to make the Valian Republics rich. I'm sure there's a level of plausible deniability that the Republics want, but when uh, push comes to shove, the bottom line is all that they're really caring about. Whatever they need to do to get the job done, they can get it done. They're in another land, they're not in their homeland, so as far as they're concerned, you can do what you want. And it's with that that the Valian Trading Company even exists. It's almost impressive to see the level of structure and adherence to their own policies that they actually stick to, considering the fact that they are technically a lawless group, uh, because they're a very successful mercantile company, and they operate uh, in their own particular way, and they have their own unique policies that they set wherever they are. And it's led them to be as successful as they are, I would say. But they can, if they want to, set outposts on foreign soil, declare war, and if necessary, conquer territory. It's not just sailing across the world and finding luminous Adra veins that are sticking out of the ground in order to mine. They're also trying to spearhead in the ways of science. And so as I've discussed, there's this science called animancy that exists within this world where they're studying souls and soul mechanics. And there is research being done in the second Pillars of Eternity game that uses luminous Adra. And so there's a large tower in this ancient city called Nekataka where you can see a luminous Adra spire sticking out. And the Valian Trading Company has set up a laboratory around this spire, and they're using this one large vein of Luminous Adra as a place for scientific research. And they have different things that they're trying to do with Luminous Adra. And so they are on the forefront of scientific progress in this area. Being an employee of the Valian Trading Company might be exciting depending on the person you are. There's a high level of competition and ambition involved. You're always out there to do your best and to prove that you're better than the next guy. And that is something of a point of cultural pride that exists within the Valian Trading Company. And the employees subscribe to this philosophy that Valians are the best merchants and that they should maintain that and, uh, and continuously be growing in this regard. And while this can be healthy to some degree, this promoting of competition between one another, it does have its downsides. Despite the fact that this might seem like you know, an, an Atlas Shrugged Dream or something like that, if you've uh, read, the, the, read the big book that that is. There are negative sides to this as well. For example, the leadership is scrutinized so much for their flaws that sometimes it can stop them from getting things done because they're constantly having to be putting out fires over the smallest thing that they might do. As well, employees are basically pushed to their limit and basically wrecked and once they start not performing very well they're shipped back to the republics and replaced essentially is what goes on and so there's a lot of toxic work environment stuff going on there but if you've got the gumption to run with the crowd then it's probably an exciting place to be but there's definitely some downsides to the way that they operate and some of the culture that exists within the valian trading company which in the long term could end up being a problem for them but rather than fight against this idea, the Valian Trading Company seem to actually lean into it. So like, if there is a leader found within their ranks that are not performing very well, it's uh, kind of likely that they'll find themselves lost, missing, or killed, or demoted by some means whatsoever. 
And that's because the trading company is using political maneuverings in order to make sure there's a culture of rivalry and vendetta within the ranks. And that's not me just saying that. I'm reading this off of the uh, Pillars of Attorney 2 guidebook. I'm reading some of, I'm taking some quotes out. That's what it says right there, that the trading company ensures a culture of rivalry and vendetta. So this is actually something they're leaning into to promote better workers, basically. They're keeping the cream of the crop. They're keeping the best of the best in their organization. And you need really good employees in order to do what it is the Valian Trading Company is trying to do within the dead fire. Because what they're trying to accomplish is actually a pretty big deal. Like, this is, this. okay, so this is what the Valian Trading Company is trying to do. You know, one, they got to go into the Deadfire Archipelago where there are vicious sea monsters and dangerous forests and a group of people already living there that may or may not want to hunt you down to get you out of there. They're, these Valians from the trading company, they're going to every single island and they are taking all of the Luminous Audra that they possibly can out there. They're trying to secure land rights from the local tribes to claim the land and then establish mining and refining operations so that they can ship this Luminous Audra in powdered form back to the Valian Republics. This is no minor undertaking. They're essentially conquering an entire land from an economic perspective and asking for permission to do it and then do all the refining while they're there. This is, the, this is by no means a small feat. And you need your workers at their best. And you also need people who are sold on the idea that the Valian Republics is the best, that they deserve to be top dog in the world of Aeora. The process by which the Valian Trading Company actually secure this land in order to do this, it's a, it's a bit of a process. So what they first have to do is they have to identify that there is Luminous Adra in an area. So they go to an island, they send out scouts and reconnaissance, and they find that there is Luminous Adra deposits in the area. And it has to be significant enough that it's worth sending a group of people out there for. Once a vein of Luminous Adra is discovered and it is deemed worthy enough to send merchants out, they then transfer the, uh, the power, if you will, to Republican clerks that have a process for transferring land rights to the republics. Land ownership in the Deadfire Capelago is a little bit difficult to parse because the native tribes that live there, the Huwana, they don't look at land ownership the same way that people from the other cultures of the world do. I talked about this a lot when we did the Huana episodes just a few episodes back, and how they tend to be a nomadic group. They locate from island to island. They move around depending on the needs of both the resources that are available on the island for the tribe, as well as the weather, incoming uh, storms, uh, or if uh, there's just um, predators nearby even. So the Huana peoples, they don't stay in one place and own that land. They migrate from place to place, bringing their village along with them. So this idea that the Valians would go to an island, find a piece of land that they want, talk to a tribe about purchasing the land to be able to live there permanently, it's not just that the Huana find it odd, it's that that way of living is foreign to them. They don't understand it. So they don't really fully comprehend exactly what it is they're even asking them to necessarily do. And once it's properly communicated, they're not necessarily going to respond positively about it or sell them the land because in their view, really, that's not their land to sell. It'll be the next tribe's land. However, the Valian Trading Company have a weird set of policy when it comes to the idea of purchasing land from the Huwana. 
Members of the Valian Trading Company, once they've identified the land that they want to purchase, they will go about the process of identifying who they think are the best representatives to sell the land to them. And then they will go to that tribe to negotiate purchasing the land. The thing is, is that this means that A, they can pick and choose who want a tribes that they think will be like, whatever, have it. We're, it's not going to be ours in a few years anyway, so why do we care? But as well, they have this policy under place that if you get in the way of the Valian trading company having the land, that's essentially the same thing as declaring war against the company itself. They call them obstructionists. See, under the powers granted by the Duke's Bells, which are the leaders of the Valian Republics, there's no end to the penalties that can be leveled upon a tribe once the status, that is the obstructionist status, has been earned. I'm reading this directly from the guidebook. So essentially, if they want to go to a piece of land, they find a tribe that seems amicable to sell it to them, and or a tribe that they can reasonably take on and force through violence or aggression to sell the property. And a lot of the time, who want a tribes that don't necessarily want to sell the land will simply because they know that they can't fight with their little tribe against this massive company of people. And so in the end, the Valian Trading Company would get the land that they want so that they can harvest the Luminous Adra and refine it and process it to ship it back home. And you think that's as awful as it gets, that it doesn't get any worse from there. But, oh, it does. The Valian Trading Company are a little more shrewd than that. They're more than just these big brutes that come in and kick people off their land or force them to agree to a trade agreement. They're a little bit more cunning. You see, what they will quite often do is they will broker a peaceful negotiation between the Huana tribe and their chieftain. They will set forth for them a great deal on how they're basically renting the land from them and any coin that they make can be paid off to the tribe itself is in terms of in the kind of like royalties but not really they essentially set up this deal so that they uh it looks like both sides are winning and the Huana tribe that takes this deal they'll feel like hey we did a good job we brokered a peaceful negotiation we're coming out on the positive they're coming out on the positive this is great except the problem is is when the chieftain of the tribe dies, in the legal documentation, the Valian Trading Company has it set that the land ownership now goes from the renter, which would have been the chieftain, to now the Valian Trading Company. So now they, as far as the agreement stands, own the entire land, which means they can forcibly remove the Huana peoples off the land or keep them as free labor to do all the mining and the processing and whatnot. It's a shady business deal, but it's one that, you know, gives profits and revenue. It uh, pays the bills having all the free labor, and it eventually, in the event of the death of a chieftain, will result in the net gain for Valian Trading Company. So if you're ever going to get in a deal with Valian Trading Company, just know that there might be some weird legality in the background that's going to hurt you in the long run. As you can imagine, this leads to some pretty large implications for the Huana people themselves. They're already a nomadic culture, so the fact that these new people have come in and basically stolen their land from them means that they probably are just going to relocate, which is something they're used to doing anyways. If you know, a big threat comes in, they would relocate to a new island. And in a way, this kind of fits those parameters of a new threat coming in and they're just going to go to a new island. But sometimes the Valian Trading Company will take so many of the food and resources that the Huana peoples were relying on to migrate to a new island that 
these people have no choice but to flee to the giant city of Nekataka, which is basically like the Huwana capital within the area. It's the only permanent standing area that the Huwana peoples can go to. Problem is, is now that this place is becoming overcrowded and it's messing with the way the culture works and the way their caste system works and who is in the upper and lower class and how people are going to be treated because there's so many people in this city that can't necessarily house everybody. So it's kind of messing the entire order up of how this entire culture works. But such is the ways of the Valian Trading Company. Uh, the Valian Trading Company value competition and jurisprudence above all else. And when you value something like that over all else, it allows you to make some pretty shady decisions. On the flip side, however, the things that the Valian Trading Company does not like is resentment and boorishness. And when you think about it for a second, you can kind of understand why. If the whole idea behind the Valian Trading Company is competition and jurisprudence, then the idea of resentment and boorishness go against that. Resentment is just you harboring negative feelings at your fellow Valian Trading employee for having done a better job than you. Let's say if one employee is better than another or one employee undermines another's and benefits in the end at your loss. Well, that competition, the competition is meant to make the company better. And for you to resent your fellow employee for making the company better is to kind of resent the entire purpose for the company existing in the first place. So if you're holding resentments against fellow employees for undermining your work or taking advantage of you, then you're going against what the company is trying to do in the long run. You just need to rise to the occasion and compete back and take them down a peg and make yourself better and therefore make the company better. And boorishness goes against the opposite of shrewd and cunning plans. It's just kind of bulldozing your way through stuff. It's not the way the Valians do their business deals. The Valian Trading Company do their business deals in a very smart and intelligent way, not in a boorish way. And that is everything that we have in the guidebook for the Valian Trading Company. They have existed since before the first Pillars of Eternity game. This is evident A in the lore, and also B because you can go visit some of their offices in the city of Defiance Bay from the first game. But you really don't get to know them that well until you play the second game when you're in the Deadfire and they're trying to get a stranglehold on the economy there. And so now that we've talked at length about what the Valian Trading Company is, why don't we discuss whether or not they might have presence in Avowed? Is an oath worth the weight of a crown? There's actually a decent chance that we'll run into the Valian Trading Company in the game of Avowed. It depends if the game is a prequel or a sequel to the Pillars of Eternity series. Because the Valian Trading Company was created in the year 2708 AI, which is the calendar designation for this world. Pillars of Eternity 1 takes place in the early 2800s, so as long as Avowed takes place within that 100-ish year span before Pillars of Eternity 1, there's a chance that we could run into the Valian Trading Company. As well, if it is a sequel to Pillars of Eternity 2 Deadfire, then there's more of a chance we will run into Valian Trading Company regardless of where Avowed is played, because at the point of that time in the game, they're already a worldwide superpower. They've got their fingers and everything. They might not be as deeply ingrained as cultures and empires of the world, but they have their hands everywhere. So how does this impact our gameplay? Well, one, it might mean that we can ally or oppose the Valian Trading Company. It also might mean that we go to them for merchant purposes and for resources. There's always going to be vendors in the game who are selling us their latest wares and all that. So Valian Trading Company it makes sense. 
it's an easy thing to do for the developers to just be like, hey, Valiant Trading Company are in the area. They're the ones setting up the stores. That's where your character buys the stuff. Maybe we don't dive into them as a faction as much and what they're doing in the area that Avowed is played in, but there's a chance that we'll interact with them in that way. But if we can get into their business dealings and perhaps gain renown with them or lose renown with them, then that might impact A, how our prices work with the with the store, but also B, we might be able to get into some side quests involved in what they're doing in the area that Avowed has taken place in. If the rumors are to be believed as true that Avowed has taken place in the Living Lands, there's a number of things that the Valian Trading Company would be doing in the Living Lands. Much like the Deadfire Archipelago, it's considered a frontier land. It's not largely explored or well-known, and there is, of the stuff that is known, is some pretty intense stuff. Beasts and creatures and plants and trees that you have never seen anywhere else in the world. Magic that exists that nowhere else in the world is found. Uh, a city built by mage folk, which is an entire other thing to talk about on its own. There's so much that the Valian Trading Company could be trying to plunder in the Living Lands. And so for playing there, it makes a lot of sense that we would see them if it's in that time frame where they exist. As if any of this were ever in my hands. The Republic's considered your business worth protecting based on its success. That success depended on cooperation with the locals, like House Dominel. You've lost that. And the favor of the Dukes. That's everything I have to talk about. Thank you guys for joining me on today's episode of The World of Aura, where we discussed the Valian Trading Company, the lawless mercantile group out of the Valian Republics that is meant to just make its home country rich as possible by any means possible. Nothing new to go on in the show, no projects that are coming on in the making, at least not yet. I have my eyes set on some stuff down the road uh, to help build community and maybe work on some other projects, but I'll let you know when that comes down. If, however, you do want to get a hold of me to point out anything in the show that you liked, you didn't like, any questions or comments that you might have, you can email me, worldofaora at gmail.com. You can also follow me on Twitter, at worldofaora. I enjoy answering any questions about the show, taking in ideas about the show, uh, whether or not you want to be on the show or you have ideas for topics. Send me anything you got. If that's your fancy, it's up to you. I'm not going to tell you to dictate your time. Thanks, everyone, for listening to me today. You'll ramble on about this awesome nerd geek lore stuff about a fantasy world. I've been your host, Eric, a.k.a. Gingerino, and I'll see you guys next time.